Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. It's that time, Fight Writers. Stop draining your cauliflower ears and settle in for the Fight Right Podcast, a writer's resource for writing fight scenes. I'm your host, Carla Hoke, and this is the very first Fight Right episode, sort of. If you are a fan of the geek block, I'm sorry, okay? I'll bring it back at some point. Lo siento, mea culpa, disculpe, I'm sorry. If you are a fan of the geek block, um, I had a couple Fight Right episodes, but this is going to be, these Fight Right episodes are going to be short and sweet, just a one-two punch combo, which ought to be enough in a fight. If you aren't familiar with fightright.net, F-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E, oh, by the way, it was just named in Writer's Digest 101 Best Resources for Writers. It's sitting there at number 11. I had no clue. They don't warn you about that kind of thing. Somebody reached out to Sharon Rose. Sharon Rose reached out to me and sent me pictures of the magazine. And I appreciate, I had no idea. Thank you, Mama. I do appreciate that so much. Anyway, listeners, while I'm talking, go ahead and pop over to fightright.net and give it a look. It won't bother me a bit because I can't see you anyhow. Fightright.net teaches fighting to writers so that they may write more realistic fight scenes. If you choose the the index tab, you'll see that um, it covers a little bit of everything, fighting technique, stages of bleeding out, uh, the effects of adrenaline, how to escape, oh my gosh, how to escape handcuffs by dislocating a thumb. Y'all, that's got like 10,000 hits. That makes me feel like I'm responsible for something somewhere. I don't know. Really, y'all really want to know about that. It gets a ton of views every stinking day. Ooh, there's also one about perineum stabs. Yes, that too is a thing. If you're a fan of John Wick, which you ought to be fan of John Wick too. When he's on the train and he's doing the, uh, I think it's on the train or actually it may be in the train station. Anyway, he uh, does a perineum stab. And let me tell you what, it's effective. It'll, it'll get your opponent up on your toes. This podcast is the talky version of the blog. Um, in each episode, I'll be taking a few listener questions. If you have a question that you would like me to tackle, uh, send it to me cute sweet via fightright.net. And I'll answer it for you. If I can't, I'll sure as heck find somebody who can. All right. Well, let's just, oh, Fight Right book. Fight Right, F-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E, How to Write Believable Fight Scenes, comes out with Writer's Digest June 11th. But you can get it now. It's okay with me. It is for sale now on Amazon. Okay. Our first question this week comes from Katie Baker. She asked, actually, she asked three questions. How do did people carry weapons? What sounds do they make when they're wielded? And how can a woman overcome size and strength differential to beat a man? Very good questions. First of all, how did do people carry weapons? I don't care what kind of weapon it is. It will be, it will be carried in a place that is most efficient for wielding. Um, uh, let's, I'll go over knives, swords, and guns. Okay, I am a knife carrier. I have two that I prefer to carry. One is a fixed blade and one is a folder. A fixed blade is a knife that it's like a steak knife. It's all one piece. It doesn't move at all. I don't carry a steak knife. 
or do I? And then I have a folder, which is, you know, a folding knife. And they do, I do carry them in different places for a couple different reasons. Um, the fixed blade I carry in my waistband, um, on top of my waistband, actually. It goes on top of the waistband. The reason is if I tried to get it inside the waistband because the blade is live, because that edge is live. Okay, quick side note. That metal thing that's sharp, that whole thing is a blade. Even the unsharpened side is the blade. The sharp portion is the edge. My fixed blade has a live edge, and so if I pull it out real quick and that edge goes against my stomach, it's going to open it up because Bertha's a sharp little beast. That's what I call that knife. So it has to be carried on the outside of my waistband, and it kind of has a high profile, meaning you can see it. It's, it's kind of big. You can see it through my clothes. So I have to put it in a place where it doesn't um, stick out through my shirt so much because it, it honestly has a little bit of a pistol profile. But it also needs to be in a place where I can get it quickly. I, am a, I carry my knives or I fight with knives in the right hand. And so I tend to like my fixed blade a little over to the left, maybe more towards the hip or more towards the, the navel, depending on the outfit I'm wearing. My folder, I tend to carry on the right side. My folder, those are much easier to conceal. Um, it actually goes the, um, the knife proper, the, the, the whole thing goes inside the pants and you have a clip that goes outside the waistband of the pants. When I reach in to get it, I flick a button. So when I pull it out quickly and snap my wrist, the edge is revealed. Um, it's great to carry a folding knife if you're doing a lot of activity because you don't have to worry about a live blade um, popping open or anything like that and getting you. Um, so I carry those in two different places just because that's where it's easiest for me to draw it and wield it. Swords. I know it's swords. Okay. Um, my personal experience is with the katana. Most swords are for right-handed folks. In fact, so much so that uh, daggers carried in the left hand are called mangosh daggers um, because it's so odd that they're carried in the left hand. Because they're carried, wielded with the right hand, it's going to be on the left hip. That is because it puts your hand in the correct position for the weapon to profile correctly. Profile means it sits in your hand in a way that's best for its use. If you pick up a steak knife and you turn it upside down with the edge up, you'll feel that it doesn't feel right in your hand. But if you close your eyes and turn it down, you can actually feel where that knife should be in your palm. And it's, it's, that's, what a, um, that's what that is. Anywho, so you're going to carry it on the left side. I know that I, I actually on fightright.net on the index, I have can you carry a katana on your back, i.e. Michonne walking dead. For me, that would not be the most efficient way to carry it, and here's why. When you wield a katana and you take it out of its, um, you know, what do you call the thing that it's in, the sheath? There's a, a word I should know. It's not suba. I think suba's the guard. Anyhow, when you pull it out of the thingy, oh, my gosh, how do I not think about this? When you pull it out of the sheath, you have to pull that sheath back. Because the katana is long enough that if you pull it out, even with your arm completely extended, a little bit of the edge is still going to be buried in that sheath. So you have to pull the sheath back as well. 
And I think what Michonne does is she reaches up over her shoulder with her wielding hand and then reaches behind her back with the um, free hand and she pulls down the sheath with one side and then she uh, brings out the sword with the other side. Even if that is most efficient for her, I don't like it because of the, the posture of her body when she, when she does that. When I reach over to my left hip with my right hand, I am guarding some of my, my vital organs. When she reaches over her shoulder, she is offering a whole heck of a lot. So if she is in the middle of a fight, she doesn't have much way to guard herself and um, and wield her weapon. That's just that's just me. And there may be tons of people that wield it that way. Also, y'all, it's a zombie apocalypse. I'm not judging her. I am not judging her. When the zombie apocalypse comes around, you can wield your katana any way you want to especially in Texas. Here in Texas, you can carry a katana in some stores. I kid you not. Don't mess with Texas. Anyway, so uh, weapons are always placed where they're most efficient to wield. What sounds, oh, guns, same with guns. Now, sometimes you will put a gun in a different place to conceal it a little better. So even though it might not be the most efficient place to carry it, it has to be carried there in order to... um, Bring the profile of the gun down so people don't know you're carrying it. But even then, you're going to put it in a place that is most efficient for you to wield. And if you have to carry it in a place that's a little bit different, you're going to practice drawing your gun from that position. What sounds do weapons make when they wield, when you wield them? Well, guns, I mean, you hear it on TV. Something I've been told about the M16, and y'all write into me if I'm wrong. Some of the older M16s, when you fire, fired them, made a boing-oing sound. I think it's the M16, but I I don't know that, you know, if you want to add that in your work, I don't know, but I would definitely double check that, but I think it's true. I think it's true. Um, A pistol, you know, when the chamber turns over, it does make a click sound. You hear all the gun sounds on TV pretty well. Um, As far as swords with the katana. And again, I have no HEMA experience. I don't, I don't know anything about European swords, anything that I have been as a katana and um, maybe a few smaller blades, but the katana does swish. In fact, in warm-ups, one of the things we uh, did was bring the katana up over our head and down as fast as we could in a control, but controlled and stop right at your waistband, which is so stinking. It sounds so easy. Sounds so easy. Not easy. And the goal was to make a swish, which also is hard. I made a swish. I have a witness, the guy next to me. He heard it. I think he heard it, but I know I heard it, so I have made a swish. So, yes, swords do make – swords of that size do make swish sounds. I can't speak for the larger ones. How can a woman overcome size and strength differential to beat a man? Here's the thing. Rather than can think of beating a man or beating an animal or a werewolf, whatever it is, you, I need to know your definition of beat because my definition of beat is walking away from it and living another day. If your definition of beat is, you know, they're pummeled and bloody on the ground, well, you're going to have a bigger problem. So maybe don't think about winning and losing so much as surviving. Also, I'm going to talk about how, not how to beat a man, how to best a man, because that's what it really comes down to is besting somebody. You may have heard people say that, you know, technique beats size and strength. Anybody that tells you technique beats size and strength 100% of the time is a big person. They're not a small person. Size and strength 
always matter. I have seen amazing small female black belts go up a much against much bigger guys. And it's, it's tough. You cannot remove the fact that they are huge. If, um, you know, I spar with some of the guys who are new white belts, which are the most dangerous creatures in a jiu-jitsu gym, let me assure you, that are twice my weight, twice my size, and I am able to maneuver around them and hopefully submit them, but it's because they're agreeing to do jiu-jitsu with me. If it were a fight on the street, that's a whole different ball of wax. And also, they're not just laying down on me with dead weight. If they chose to do that, I, I would have a much bigger problem. If your female character uh, finds herself going fisticuffs with a man, I suggest she doesn't. I suggest that she stays beyond uh, the reach of his fists and feet. The farther away, the better. I want her to run if at all possible. If she can't, I suggest getting a buffer between the two of you, the two of them, and so she could finally get away. However, if he comes at her and does swing, she has a couple different options. She can dip underneath the punch, which really she just drops down uh, beneath the punch. Um, and then she has a couple of options. If if it's if she's going to get hit by the punch no matter what, she needs to answer the phone. And that's where you, on the side where the punch is coming, you grab the back of the head. That puts the forearm um, horizontal down the side of your face, and it, it also guards your jaw. But here's the thing. It doesn't negate the punch. It just keeps all the force of the punch from being delivered in one place. So even if she blocks the punch by answering the phone, she may get knocked square off her feet. I know that from personal experience. I've been knocked square off my feet blocking a punch. I suggest that she gets out of the way of the punch. After she gets out of the way, um, she has a couple options. If She can do a takedown. It depends on what kind of altercation you want. She can do a takedown. Judo is great reference for takedowns. Um, Aikido is good for a joint lock if, if she wants to do some kind of joint lock. Um, also for sweeps, there's Aikido sweeps. Um, if she wants to finish the situation pretty quick, she can do a trachea crush. You grab the trachea and squeeze it like a ripe banana. She could do a palm strike straight up to the nose, or she could go for the eyes. I'm going to tell you what, Dwight, Dwight Sheerroot, Dwight, easy for you to say. Dwight Schrute on the office said it best. The eyes are the groin of the head, and they are. Go for the eyes. But again, that's the highest level of defense there, and that is considered um, deadly assault, by the way, going for somebody's eyes and throat and all the things I just mentioned. So how can a woman overcome size and strength differential to beat a man? She doesn't. She bests him. I hope I answered your question. Okay, I got a question here from Dawn. No, hang on. Let me go. Let me look at my time. Yeah, let me pop to this one. Scott, Hart, Scott Hartsock, who thinks he's funny, and then I'm not going to ask her this question. Joke is on you, brother. Scott Hartsock asks, what is the best style of underwear to have on to keep from getting a wedgie in battle? And then somebody added, please mention the Scots going commando under their kilts. Here's the thing. The term going commando really does come from battling without underpants on um, regimental dress referred to the Scotsmen in their kilt and regimental dress they did not wear underwear that's part of res regimental dress that's where we get the term going commando why why did they not I can't say every Scotsman didn't but why did they historically not well y'all they did not have fruit of the loom back then you know they basically had glorified shorts 
with uh, drawstrings, which meant they would have had to get all the way up under their kilt and get the, uh, the drawstring done, take them down. You know, it's, it's a whole thing. Guys don't understand what a pain it is. Ladies, you understand it's a whole thing to disrobe like that. Also, what, how, we don't know what the material may have been made out of. Wool? No, thank you. Um, I have had a wedgie in battle. Now, I'm only speaking from the female perspective. I'm aware I do not have the same tackle as a man. From a female perspective, I have been caught short with a wedgie. My The unders have creeped up in the basement big time, and it has irritated me. And if you've got on boxing gloves, well, you're just going to have to have it there. And same thing with some of the other things, jujitsu. Honestly, once you start sparring and the adrenaline starts going, you don't notice it so much. Um, guys, I have been sparring with guys for eight or nine years, and something I've noticed about guys is, number one, they do not care if the waistband or their underwear shows. They do not give a fig, trust me. From what it seems, best I can tell, men tend to wear the sort of undies that don't allow for a ruckus down there, meaning they're kind of tight, um, like compression Type pant, type pants, Valley pants. Um, but again, that that's a female perspective. I don't know for certain. And you know, if you look back at the Greek Olympics, y'all, those folks didn't wear a darn thing, and supposedly they did it to appreciate the male form. I I can more, I think I would better appreciate it if they had on board shorts because that I just think that would be a distracting situation. But nevertheless, that is how they competed. Most of them. There were, it, it was an option for them to wear a little harness thing. Um, it starts with a K, Kendo, Kendocene, I don't, K-Y, okay, I don't remember what it was, but it translates to dog leash. I'm going to just back away from that slowly and let you do with it what you'd like. Okay, well, that's it. I told you this is going to be short and sweet, and if you want a little bit more Fight Right, well, then you can listen to a, several podcasts in a row. You can binge cast, but this is going to be short and sweet, and if I did not get to your question, I think I got about – I got a gracious plenty of questions. If I didn't get to it this time, I'll get to it next time, and I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in for the very first solo mission of the Fight Right podcast. Be on the lookout for my book, Fight Right, How to Write Believable Fight Scenes with Writer's Digest. Um, Fight Right podcast is brought to you by the eponymous blog, fightright.net. And look for the hashtag Fight Right on the Instagram. You can find me on the Instagram at Carla C. Hoke. Hoke is H-O-C-H. Um, oh, I will be in New York City, y'all, in August, teaching at the Writer's Digest National Conference. Come by and say hi. By the way, I'm looking for a place to roll in Manhattan, East Manhattan, while I'm there. Um, if you don't know what roll is, you probably don't have a good suggestion for me. If you do know what roll is and you're near East Manhattan, um, hit me up on fightright.net and let me know where you are. and Maybe I can um, come have a roll with you. So there you are. If you are in the Northwest Houston area, be sure to pop in by Malzinha, M-A-O-Z-I-N-H-A, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and say hi. Um, that is my gym. My step gym is in College Station, Texas. So if you're in the College Station, Bryan area, be sure to look up Brazos Valley, MMA. And, and if you are in Nova Scotia, 
and you are so inclined, you're somewhere around Sydney, I think, pop into uh, Zombie Proof BJJ and Mixed Martial Arts. Good group of people there. Tell them I sent you, and I guarantee you will get zero special treatment. That is it for this first episode of the Fight Right Podcast. Thank you so much to the Along Came Writer Network for letting me hang out and mess up your kitchen. Until the next episode of Fight Right. Oh, wait, what is this? Fight Right Podcast. Get blood on your pages.